0: folks welcome back to the newsprint commando i'm your host ed moore this is episode 19 of this show justice machine volume 4 issue number justice machine volume 1 issue number 4 rather from noble comics is what i'm looking at this is cover dated 1982 take a quick look here i keep forgetting to do this fall fall 1982 is when it's cover dated three stories in this one Uh, justice machine story the crusader black and white story but we also have a flip book that includes cobalt blue um cobalt blue is from a company that gustavich and several members used to work for power comic power comics went under they became uh they were one of the dudes who owned it bought out everything and it became something else um The name of the company escapes me, but the only book that that company put out was the book that had the first installment of Wendy and Richard Peeney's ElfQuest. They were not satisfied with the experience and went on to form their own publishing company and publish ElfQuest up to current. Uh, times as far as I, I know and then some of those people from power came over and formed Noble and then some of them will go on to either First or Kamiko when Noble goes under here and another issue or two. So Cobalt Blue, uh, 15 pages of reprint and then four pages of new material added on for 19 total pages so the cover of this of the justice machine side is now in full color as opposed to the four color that the previous three issues were in this also has been cut down from the 10 by whatever that is 15 uh, magazine side to the eight and a half by 10 normal dc marvel comic book side the justice machine is fighting the free force on the cover several member members on the ground several members flying through the air as they're doing martial arty stuff and several members flying with tight anchoring the middle of the cover in an enlarged form Embigand. In inside front cover is a mike gustavich editorial and this is where he talks a little bit about power comics and uh, cobalt blue the story itself opens we have diviner in a bed um, she's in pretty bad shape titan Talisman, Challenger, Demon, and Blazer are standing around worrying about her. She was uh, messed up badly in the fight from last issue. The doctors have noticed something, and they want to speak to Challenger by himself, but the other members feel that, as everyone is a team, there is no by himself. So they all muster into Uh, Hammett Dash's private office to talk and the doctor informs them that Diviner is blind and she has been since birth. Completely blows the machiners away. They had no idea. To take their mind off of things, uh, that revelation, the fact that they have a team member that is down and out for who knows how long, they go to oversee Kilgore's transfer into his more permanent cell as he is under sedation right now. They want to be there in case anything happens. We see Maxinor here as he um, is going to a mission hub to find out how the Free Force is doing. Free Force being Havoc, Night Owl, and Controller. He's told they're returning from their Canadian mission. They're about 15, 20 minutes out. So Maxinor goes down to welcome them back and bring them up to speed on what all's been going on. We then cut to those three individuals as they're returning in an air car with Night Owl flying. They stop off at a particular dock uh, that's been deserted for a while there on the outskirts of Detroit. And through the judicious application of electricity, which is his uh, bailiwick, controller activates a hidden Teleporting mechanic. We're also told that Havoc, uh, whose incredible strength would give even Kilgore pause, and Night Owl, the swiftest by far of any in New Haven, he's a blue bird. Uh, it's got Wayne. And then Controller, capable of manipula- manipulating electricity in all its myriad forms. So those are the powers of the three free force individuals. Now the machiners are taking a tour of the damage and they get to a uh, rear kind of docking port. And just as they're there, on the other side, Free Force arrive and find out that their hails were not acknowledged, and they they can't get in. So Havoc jumps out to uh, beat on the door to try to knock it over, and that is when the machiners on the other side realize something is up. Controller hops out and starts juicing it with his electricity, and then Havoc uh, beats it down, and the three men enter the city of New Haven rather dramatically as Justice Machine is standing there trying to prevent them because they believe it's an attack. So the two groups on the same side fight, fight, fight because of a misunderstanding, which is the comic book want. Meanwhile, we visit Dr. Victor von Kroff as he is uh, overseeing, or as he has come to the visit, come to visit the Viner, not the visit. and he remembers back to when he was a Nazi uh, working for Hitler and how bad that was and how he regrets that, etc., etc. Not really sure why that's thrown in there, why he has to be that person, but okay. So, cut back to the Free Force Justice Machine battle. We find out that. Night Owl's wings are a natural part of him, because they get clipped by an energy bolt from Challenger, and it does uh, painful bloody damage to the wings. Talisman decides that there's something he can do, and he muffs it up. In the midst of the fight, a panel... Uh, from the wall is broken off and it is falling on Maxenor and a couple guards who have finally arrived to try to put the kibosh on this misunderstanding, squelch the fight, and as it's falling, Havoc runs up to try to stop it, but he is in turn shot by Challenger, who thinks he's up to something nefarious. Titan and Night Owl, however, continue to attempt to rescue Maxenor and the two guards, grabbing the big piece of wall that is falling on them. And it is at that point when both of them attempt to do this cool thing that everybody stops and realizes, hmm, maybe we're all on the same side after all. And and Maxinor explains, and indeed that they are. And the two sides are left uh, talking. What are we told here? And so it goes. What could have ended in tragedy begins a time of mutual respect and concern. Names and smiles are exchanged and an occasional... Caring touch. The end. Until next issue. We have the five-page Crusader story. Um, sorry about this. Let's see. The script uh, for the Justice Machine story was by Mike Gustavich and pencils by Bill Reinhold. The inks by Mike Gustavich with Deb Bauer doing backgrounds and Sam De La Rosa assisting. Colors by Kevin Cienbeda and letters by Gustavich with Sam De La Rosa assisting. The Crusader black and white five-pager is scripted by Dave Gifford with plot uh, total and or assist from Charlie Wallace. The pencils by Charlie Wallace, inks and letters by Kevin S. Wilson. So we continue where we left off. Hunk is facing down Crusader. Crusader runs away. Uh, There's no reason to try to fight this, plus he's not going to be able to win this battle. So he goes and... Um, dead-ends himself, Crusader. Runs into a dead-end. Hunk catches up with him. They do some fighting and slamming and banging, and there's a large explosion here that is caused by the fight. At this point, the dudes in charge of Crusader are watching everything go down, and they're concerned that Crusader's going to be hurt and not be able to complete his mission. Pretty cold-blooded. But uh, Crusader does evade the authorities who are responding to the after-effects of the destruction of the fight. Hunk is knocked out, left incapacitated, Crusader gets away. We have an ad for basically Strange, which is a black and white uh magazine with art by Alex Toth, Frank Thorne, Wally Wood, Vincent Alcazar, and TKC Brennan. I've heard of all but the last. Also we have an advertisement for a reprinting of A Plus, which is a classic alternative magazine from the seventies. This from the Game Merchant has those for sale then we have an ad here for fun comics from paragon publications bill black's company uh issue three reprinting two kirby characters maybe even kirby stories the stuntman and boys ranch no indication of what the first two issues were but they also say that uh, phantom lady was i guess probably in a previous one i'm sorry the Phantom Lady and the Captain Paragon stories are in issue three, along with Stuntman and Boy's Ranch. There we go. An advertisement for the Comic Informer, which is a news, a hard news, not a fluffy wizard news but a hard news magazine. it only went about seven or eight issues so i guess it wasn't wasn't very appreciated and then that's the end of that sides story flip it over and on the cover you have cobalt blue in a interesting flying uh, crucifixy pose juxtaposed in front of a mushroom cloud atomic black new full color format it tells us Inside of that cover, it's telling us uh, about the Justice Machine sketchbook coming up and the Justice Machine annual featuring Thunder Agents, which I uh, briefly uh, talked about, hinted at, spoke of, whatever the phrase would be, in the first episode of the show that me and the boys from Cancelled Comics Cavalcast talked about. Now, this comes to us, as I said, this is uh, 15 pages of original reprint from Power Comics, uh, issue two, I believe it was, and four additional pages to bridge between what that was and what they're going to do forward. All of that is in this uh, 19 pages. That is scripted by Kevin Hyde for the first, Mike Gustavich for the bridge, penciled by Mike Gustavich for the first. And Bill Reinhold for the bridge inks for both Mike Gustavich colors for both Kevin C. And, Beta, and letters for both were from the typeset machine and I despise that they are nasty yucky ugly uh lettering but it is what it is. All right, so cobalt blue. Um, I was not very enamored. Of the story, I I really didn't dig it at all. Um, Justice machine is my jam. Yeah, the. Five-pager of Crusader I enjoyed better than this Cobalt Blue. It just seemed very, I don't know, I've seen it before kind of thing. But Cobalt Blue is a dude all dressed in blue with blue glasses and snow-white hair. But here he is trying to escape from something. Uh, We don't really know, or not escape. He's trying to infiltrate a fortress that has Daystorm holed up in it. And he's after Daystorm. D-A-E-S-T-O-R-M. I assume that's pronounced Daystorm. So he's trying to break in, and he's evading soldiers and uh, running and firing and fighting and sees a way out of his current predicament, trying to evade the soldiers. But it turns out he was kind of led there. It, in essence, is a trap, and he's attacked from behind and rendered unconscious. When he wakes up, he's in kind of a meeting room kind of thing with Daystorm. And so they have some uh, talky talk here where Daystorm is explaining that he, as the revolutionary, is trying to break out of the uh, evil decadent empire in Paran fascist uh, totalitarian state, and that Cobalt Blue is the empire's representative, uh, i.e. the police or official justice machine counterpart uh, in this story. And tells a little bit about how Cobalt blue was designed was made essentially it's a man but his powers and his suit and his um, uh, ultra human abilities are all manufactured they're all artificial so Daystorm was part of that and he's attempting to talk to cobalt blue about this but cobalt is not being persuaded about you know who's good side and who's the bad side and and he he just knows what he is supposed to do and it's what he's going to do so daystorm uh runs and he escapes because uh he he triggers a machine and his form scintillates in the eerie glow of the teleportation beam growing less distinct by the second fading out until finally but cobalt blue breaks through the barrier that is protecting this platform, runs up on it, and he triggers it too. But apparently the machine uh, interacts in a rather negative way with him or his powers or his suit or some combination of all of the above. And uh, it tells us that uh, he is destined for a confrontation with destiny. He's drawn over the brink and through the thresholds to another plane of consciousness. His mind is ablaze with the rush of alien sensations. His thoughts reel with the taste of unbounded freedom. And almost instinctively, he understands that nothing can ever again be as it was. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so he gets, he kind of rebounds back to where he was. And some of the soldiers that have been chasing him secure him. Uh, As he is unconscious on that platform, he is taken and they do a medical scan on him and they find that there are anomalies in his basic molecular structure resultant in extreme augmentation of physical strength. And now this is due to his interaction with this transport teleportation beam. Um, indicates life systems drawing direct energy input from undetermined external power source. So this other dimension that he went to or other dimensions now he is tapped into for energy. Development of analogous organ body in proximity to optic nerve. Tissue composition suggests energy projection mechanism, i.e. organic laser. And that's behind his eye, and also they indicate a severe disruption of initial psychological program. So he maybe has forget he's forgotten why he's doing what he's doing, but he maybe has forgotten who he is and everything about that. So maybe it's amnesia. Uh, so his true handlers uh, are determining that as he has uh, been. Uh, subjected to this and has been found to be different. Uh, They're concerned about controlling him. And so they decide rather than control him, we'll just destroy him. So he is now persona non grata, as is becoming, unfortunately, very popular. You know, everybody is part of something that turns against them, and now they're on their own. I mean, Justice Machine. Okay, that's one, but now Crusader, and now Cobalt Blue, and now whoever comes up again, you know, it's like, yeah, so uh, so we see Cobalt Blue, he escapes what he's doing, and he attempts to get back to this teleporter. He encounters a very large, vicious-looking robot that he is able to uh, deal with in a satisfactory method. Finally dispatching him. First of all, he destroys one of his hands, his right hand. I'm not sure really off the top of my head if that is intended to signify anything other than the big robot just losing one of his hands. But uh, Cobalt Blue gets to this other teleport machine and triggers it. And this is where the bridge kicks in. He is teleported to a top secret military compound on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., and is confronted by several guards with firearms. Uh, they tell him to halt. He runs and jumps off a, a first story balcony down to the tarmac below, where a mid guard G A A R D mid-guard fuel truck is sitting. The guards stop because they know if they hit that fuel truck, things are not going to be pleasant. Uh, Cobalt Blue uses the opportunity to turn his laser on them. Now, he has used the laser previously, and it was red, uh, much like Cyclops. He uses the laser here, and it's blue. I don't know if that's a difference in the coloration or if that's intended, like the lights have different. But now, the real guards, these are just the cursory, so that it looks like we're guarded, guard that confronted. But this is a set of Matrix Prime guards, plus they have sky sleds in addition to back them up. They all are trying to subdue this unknown quantity as he's running around their base. He defeats the ground guards, defeats one of the sky sleds, and commandeers the other flying away. In a control complex for Matrix Prime, The commander indicates that they should release overkill and that he will then subdue this mysterious uh, creature slash entity. So Cobalt Blue is flying by way of this sky sled, and he is drawn to the northwest portion of Detroit. I don't know. Well, it was outside Washington, D.C. So he has flown in roughly a day from Washington, D.C. to the outskirts of Detroit on the sky sled. And as he has decided to come down, because something about this immediate area... The northwestern portion of Detroit is drawing him, so he's curious to see what it is, and as he's descending, he's struck from behind by Overkill, who appears to be another rather large robot who uh, his fists are surrounded by nimbuses of energy, both probably what he fired at Cobalt was that energy. Cobalt plummets to the docks below, and as he um, is rising, I am called overkill alien. You will surrender or perish, he is confronted by. And we're told that next issue, Invasion of the will Be there. And, uh, as I indicated, let me see if this cobalt blue. Yeah, it does continue in the fifth and final issue of Justice Machine as well. So that'll be next episode. Um, so I think that's that's pretty much everything. Um, I, I just I'm, I didn't like Cobalt Blue. Uh, I've I've guess at this point, um, forty plus years of comic reading, I've, I've seen it too much. It it just even in its 1980s form, which I absolutely dig that time frame. It, it just didn't do it for me. It was too pat, I guess. Uh, the coloring being full color and not four color. I much enjoy the four color newsprint because I find it to be a clearer printing process. This full color, as I said, had deeper, thicker saturation, and so it had more bleed uh, between things across the inked lines, and that was not visually very pleasing. If you guys want to get in touch with me, you can tweet me at Teal Productions or News P Commando, the letter P. Teal is T-E-A-L. Teal Productions has a Facebook page. You can leave comments there, of course. I am IndieMan at gmail.com is the email address, if that is your form of uh, information conveyance. And comicbooknoise.com slash TNC, the letters TNC, Tango November Charlie, is the website where the episodes are posted. Uh, these come out every, well, just about every two weeks. I, I post the episodes the fourth Monday since I started, and then the second Tuesday after that. That roughly purports out to be every two. And I think that's all for this episode. I'm kind of curious why Dr. Victor Von Kraft had to be a Nazi. wonder if that's a setup. So, I mean, we know that it's not going to get – well, I, I take that back. We know this volume, it's not going to go overly far because the next issue, issue five, is the final for the noble run of The Justice Machine. Then we get that annual and it disappears, but then it pops back up at uh, – Kamiko for mm, 25 to 30, maybe 35 issues, something like that. Starts bouncing around, goes to innovation after that. Another... Couple volumes, I think, after that. So, plenty of time for it to be developed. Kamiko was under the guidance of Mr. Gustavich. So, these same concepts could run over there. I think after Kamiko, I think he, I don't know, lost it, sold it. Somebody else was working the Justice Machine, not Gustavich. As far as control, now he may have been involved in that, but he was not in control of the IP. So, but yeah, uh, Victor von Kraff, Kraff, um, German sounding name, yes, but Did he have to be a Nazi? I mean, even in the 80s, did he have to be a Nazi? So, all right, guys, uh, Contacts, book. This will be the final noble issue coming up next issue, issue five of the first volume of Justice Machine. I will read it, and I will give you my thoughts then. Talk to you guys later. Ciao.